it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> uh-huh. Good. Back in the UK, I was there for a week and I worked out oh, yeah. I was actually, I was like, why am I so tired? And I suddenly realised I was basically up late every single night, including getting up at 5am because of the strikes to get a bus about three hours um, to record one of the podcasts with the great Will Poulter uh, for Wrighty's house. You got a bus in that morning? Yeah, yeah, I got a bus. I didn't know that. Sorry, man. No, it's fine. I got uh, it's a five forty a.m. I mean, you're always up early anyway. That's true, actually. <laughs> That's usually <laughs> like the the window, the peak reply time from you on WhatsApp is like four till six thirty a.m. Yeah, and there's always some stadio listener going, "Oi, go to bed." It's so yeah. <laughs> why are you tweeting <laughs> at three thirty in the morning? Which I, which I never listen to. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> there's no bigger gatekeeper than a stadio listener. At 3 a.m. when I'm watching the NBA, just minding my business, and I just tweet, they're like, oh, yeah, Kwonga. Just <laughs> Funny minding thing is, his own business. Every now and again, trying to appeal to your sense of reason, because they know I'm the chaotic one. They're like, oh, almost like, Ryan, why is Moose out of bed? <laughs> hey, let's not mute everyone. My Twitter's a ghost town. <laughs> it's like we're showing a bunk or something, isn't it? Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> Listen, he's a grown man in his it's 40s who is like running out of things to become a fellow of. Can you uh, just, he can deal with his own fucking admin. He can deal with his own admin. Leave me alone. So yeah, all good. All good, man. I'm happy. On that note, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. Uh, The football is, uh, the domestic seasons are starting to wrap up. 
They are, they are. It's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. Mm. Just a little reminder to look after yourselves, everyone. Mm. Talk to someone if you need to. Yes, yes, absolutely. A lot of people say that actually talking to Musa twice a week must be great for my mental health. It's awful, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Don't do a podcast, everyone. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I love you. You know I love you. Don't, you know it's just a joke. It's just a bit. It's just a bit. Don't worry. It's just a bit. It's a bit. It's, listen, it's all a bit. It's all a bit. It's just a bit. This, is, this whole, somehow, we've, we're four years into a bit. Nearly. It's good for the brand. I don't, I don't actually hate cardigans. There was a really funny moment when someone actually said, um, one of our friends actually, uh, she was like, oh my God, you actually wear roll necks all the time. She, she, she thought it was yeah. a bit. No, no, <laughs> she no, no, was no, on no. my Insta. <laughs> and I actually wear cardigans. But we don't need to, we don't need to, uh, Research the culture. That was quashed a while ago. Was when, it? Was uh, who, I can't remember. Was it? Uh, it was Adi Hutter, right? On TV. I think he was the first to unify the Stadio, the Stadio <laughs> universe because he was wearing a roll neck with a cardigan. That is a high, that's an advanced level. That was good, man. That was good. Oh, the good old days. The good old days of cardigans versus roll necks. And that was all we had to oh. worry about, Musa. That was all we had to worry exactly. about. Some quick admin. You and Ian did a quick reaction pod to. Arsenal's defeat to Brighton, and you also talked about Manchester City's win over Everton and the title race. Mm. It's very good. Go listen to it on the Righty's House feed now. That means there'll be no Righty's House on Tuesday. Flo and I will be joining in on Friday. So a little bit changed the mm. schedule. Also, go check Flo and the gang on Counter Press. They're going to be talking about the Women's FA Cup final. They were there at Wembley on Sunday. So mm. we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to leave space for Flo and the gang to go and do that on Counterpress. If you haven't subscribed to Counterpress, what are you doing? Go and subscribe to Counterpress. Search for it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Uh, Flo and the gang twice a week talking about all your women's football stuff that you need. Some very funny stuff as well and some really, really good deep dives on serious topics. Go check them out. Yes. Uh, I think that's the admin. You and I might be back twice more this week we might do because Champions League second leg so we might do the little yes. mini pods after each each game I love doing those love doing those yeah they're great man they're nice other than that go check theringer.com loads of great stuff can I just put out a personal recommendation because I've been really 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 enjoying them obviously the Ringer uh, Prestige TV pod is amazing for mm. deep dives on the biggest TV stuff going on at the moment can I shout out Andy Greenwood and Chris Ryan because the watch pods after each episode of Succession the series have been Next level. Wow. Just a personal favour. I just want to give a personal shout out to yeah, those yeah. two because they've been amazing and I've been very much enjoying watching Succession, listening to The Watch and Chris's intros each one has been like really fucking good. So <laughs> if we're shouting out uh, Ringer stuff, uh, not to fanboy too much, but if we are shouting it out, um, the NBA basketball coverage, the podcast coverage of it has been, is exceptional. For the playoffs. Been awesome. For the playoffs. I'm loving, I am loving the NBA playoffs. Like I, I'm obsessed with them. And also, since we're praising, look, we have to temper praise with criticism. So one criticism of the Ringer, whoever is running the Ringerverse Instagram account, and I suspect it's Joby, is out of control. Listen, <laughs> Joby, <laughs> Joby is coming, like, <laughs> so that, <laughs> Joby has come out with a few Hall of Fame performances on Hilarious. the Ringerverse Instagram. There have been some reels that have gone up recently where I've been like, this cr- is- Take the login away from that man. <laughs> I think he needs to change the password so no one else can log in. That's what I think yeah. should happen. <laughs> that's, that's my energy. <laughs> Shouts to show me. So yeah, great job, gang. Anyway, listen, sorry. Uh, football, we're here to talk about football. We're going to do a quick roundup of some stuff and then we'll, should we talk Premier League title race? 
Yes, the race is still racing just about. But yeah, let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, quick roundup time. So Barcelona yes. won La Liga. They beat uh, Espanyol 4-2 in the Barcelona derby. It was all very calm for Barcelona. And they went, it was 4-0, right? And then they conceded two goals. Lovely ball from Frankie de Jong for uh, Jules Koundé's goal. Oh yeah, for the fourth. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know what that reminded me of? Peak Pirlo at Juve. Clipping to Licksteiner. Yes, oh my God. Oh, on the wow, back wow, post. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember yeah. that advert? Well, I think we've talked about this before, but uh, there was like a joke of, between, like it was like Lichsteiner and Pirlo going for lunch, and and he'd always ask Pirlo to always like, combine, give him yeah, something. yeah, 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 yeah. And then Pirlo does that in the car park, and he stops and taps his chin and goes, hmm. And then it just cuts to all the times that he's assisted for Lichsteiner. I love Great that bit of advertising. Great bit of advertising. Anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, Barcelona, that, the, 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 yeah. But um, before listen, before we jump to Barcelona, is that just as specific as the game, Balde as well, incredible. Oh my God. Incredible. Incredible performance from him. Yeah. So let's just um, quickly flag that up because I thought he was amazing. Barcelona won the league in the cauldron stadium of their most hated rivals. The mutual, the mutual loathing of those clubs is, is almost off the scale, to be honest, um, which explained later what happened. But basically, without giving too much weight before we discuss it, the, the, the conclusion of the Barcelona game was foreshadowed by everything that happened in the game before especially the fact that Espanyol fans were watching Barcelona, their most hated rivals, winning 4-0, at one point they're 4-0 up, winning the league on their turf at a time when they basically are desperate to escape relegation. So the context of that game could not be more hostile. And for Balde to come in and do what he did in that as a young player was, was exceptional. But yeah, anyway, back to you. Uh, obviously in this game, Barcelona decided to celebrate on the pitch and um, Espanyol fans started to run onto the pitch not condoning for one second fans, like especially, you know, we, we'll talk about like that guy who uh, came on to chat to try and chat to Eddie Howe at the Leeds game. I was like, what the hell? That's really scary. Look, the security arrangements should have been far superior to that. Yep. And, and, and crowds, you know, because the problem is once players start, once fans start rushing players, this is the thing, you don't know what the intent is. So already that threat, by that point, when, it, when people are rushing you in those fast numbers, it's terrifying. And I think it's just a question of security ask themselves questions, watching the game play out and watching the scenes develop and the atmosphere in general, that was not, it was not the wildest surprise that that is what happened given that rivalry and all the rest of it. And mm. I'd like to say that, but yeah, if that's, if that's uh, fair. Um, something else wild quickly. Uh, Valladid had a goal disallowed at the uh, halftime against Sevilla because the referee decided to blow the whistle just before the strike. Real Madrid rested a load of players on the weekend. Uh, again, Getafe still won one nil. Mm. <laughs> we were talking about it working in the WhatsApp group, just being like, that's some hard rotation. Yes, from, it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, Atletico Madrid, meanwhile, lost away at Elche. Elche already down, two wins in the last three. Quick shout for 
Arna Slot, and his Feyenoord side, who yes, placed the Eredivisie yes. this weekend. Really good achievement for them. The first title in, what, six years, I think? Props to Arna Slot. The season before he took over, at the end of the season, they were 29 points behind Ajax in the league. And in a couple of years, they've managed to overtake them and win the league. I mean, can I just say, not that I'd ever issue a come and get me plea to any city, but if I had to, architecture, food, football, Rotterdam. Someone said, food in Rotterdam. I'm like, have you seen the variety of restaurants there, my friend? So yeah, that's my come and get are me you, plea. Are you, are you, are you, what? Hang on a minute. Why? No, not at all. No, I'm just, what? I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just what saying you, there was. What are you, what are you pleading for? Saying, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there was someone, you know. So I stayed in Rotterdam actually uh, a few years ago. And I was just like, wow, this city's kind of got so many cool things going for it. It's such a vibe. It's a great place. So like, like I said, it's, it's not a come and get me plea. <laughs> is there anything that you've become a fellowship of in, or a fellow of in, in, in Rotterdam? Is he just going to give you the key to the city for no reason? Moose Ongwonga visited once. We're going to give him the key to the city. <laughs> write a poem so about it. If you, wrote, if, if you wrote a poem about it, then maybe... Does it, do people know this? Have I just... You're, so you became rise, a, a fellow of the Royal Society that. of Literature. That's true. Yeah. And this last and week... Then you yeah, became okay, a, so I should probably explain. Yeah. So very quickly, um, I, the reason I was in... Uh, I was traveling this week was I was in my old uni, uh, Oxford, um, St. John's college. And I got made an honorary fellow, which is one of the great honors of my life. Um, so yeah, they, it's awarded for distinction in your chosen field and it's for alums of the college. So I had a very nice dinner. Um, and what was yeah. yours? What was your chosen field? <laughs> it was <laughs> seeing a menace. It was all of them. It was like, that's what does this man do for a living? On his tax return, it's got like outstanding, like- outstanding, <laughs> outstanding uh, honouring the achievements in uh, your fields that you haven't chosen. You could, you can choose just one. So yeah, when fields, I got the thing, I was like, well, I have a, cho- I was like, I have a chosen field. <laughs> so yeah, that was. And can I just say, actually, um, it was a very, very briefly on that before we get to the football. Like, it's a huge honour for me, um, and it meant a lot to me because my mum obviously was someone who my mum's had it quite a tough tough gig raising five of us by herself. So I got, I got in touch with her and I said, look, mum, like, uh, I know you're proud of this. You're going to be telling people. I said, when you tell them, and I, I, made, I made very clear, I sent a little bit of text. My mum was like, oh, the family are really happy. I said, mum, reply to them with this message and say, this is your success. Like, don't let anyone distance you from it. This is yours. This is yours, mum. Like, don't, don't be like, oh, my son. No, no, it's yours, actually. You have to take your wins. You have to enjoy them. And this is your win. So you have to go and run with it. Um, and also you know what you as just well, did? Me- yeah. What's that? Sorry. You scored, you scored the goal and pointed to the assister. That's, you always point to the assister. You always point Straight to Straight away. It's my yeah, favourite thing. Like, when like, a goal like, scored, us. And everyone's point to the assister. It's my favourite thing in football. Isn't it the best? It's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, anyway, anyway yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I've told you this numerous times off on mic and off mic, but I'm very proud of you. And uh, you, it's man. an amazing achievement. Should we talk about someone who's on the beach? Who's on the beach? Napoli are on the beach, man. They lost two, <laughs> lost two nods they to Monza. Are, they're in the- <laughs> they're, they very much look like, they very much looked like a side who had uh, clinched the championship about 10, 10 days ago. And let's just say, had some celebrations in the past week. Do you remember Freddie Flintoff when, when England won the oh, Ashes and he went yeah, <laughs> turned down the street say, and he was wearing, <laughs> he was wearing shades and I think yeah. he said there are a thousand stories behind these sunglasses. <laughs> 
It was like England winning the Euros. All of them in Trafalgar Square the next day with sunglasses on, hung over to shit. And just, here's the thing. Just, oh. we, didn't hear, we didn't need to hear a single story because oh. we knew all the stories. We all knew what this was. We, knew, we all knew what it was. Like, we were just like, yeah, yeah. Um, Juve beat Cremonese 2-0 at home. Uh, really concerning thing about this was Paul Pogba. Oh, that's sort of heartbreaking. First competitive start. Almost 400 days. Went off with an injury. Looked really, really down about it, understandably, uh, in mm. tears as he went off the pitch. I don't know what that injury is yet, but mm. he seemed to, his reaction seemed to suggest it was pretty serious. So Tears. After everything, it yeah. wasn't just because it's not just the injury absentee. It's the stuff with his brother and the blackmail and all of that, the allegations, mm. all of that. It's just a rough year for Pogba. Milan, meanwhile, had to have a chat with some of their ultras after their defeat to Spezia on the weekend. Uh, I mean, this is probably down to the fact that they've their Champions League places is, is massively under threat now. Even though they are in the semi-final against Inter and they could go through to the final, we never know. The, the dynamic of that, Mayo posted, posted a tweet sharing this and I looked at that picture. The picture of the, of the Milan, well, the video of the Milan players standing and listening patient to the ultras but at some level, you might say, oh, well, that's actually just them taking on, on board like fan sentiment. But I don't know. I felt it was kind of like, I saw that and thought the dynamic of this is quite unsettling, actually. I don't know how you felt. I think that it's more about the symbolism of it. We see it in the Bundesliga quite a lot. We've seen pl- players go over to ultras who are absolutely f- fuming and they're probably just mm. like nodding, 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 going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they know, like, yeah. At the end of the day, fans have more more of a say on the whole on the continent, depending on where you they are. They do, they and do. Yeah. Like, in a way that's maybe quite and I feel surprising. Like a lot of this is just more yeah, like yeah. it's more like the gesture of them going and being heard is okay, yeah, all that's yeah. really happening. Because I think a lot of them were just like they were just stood there, just waiting for it to be done, and then they go. This has happened. We've seen this. Numerous and it's been times. a very I confusing. Think, it's been a very confusing season for Milan, hasn't it? Because yeah, had and we also don't know the what shot. the hell they were saying. Yeah, right? yeah this is true. So, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah, it's been a confusing thing for Milan. Winning the league, probably ahead of schedule. Dropping off, going through to a Champions League semi-final. Mixture of emotions. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah um, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. As long as... I don't really have a problem with those kind of interactions at all, as long as it stays non-threatening. Mm. That's my only thing about it. Like when, when, yeah, I no, mean, fair enough. I'm just not that well yeah. versed in it. So for me, I was like, oh, this is quite... I think it always yeah, looks a little bit when you have a load of when you have a load of like football fans, usually dudes dressed in black, kind of berating players, and they're stood there just accepting it. It's a, it can look a little bit like mm. yeah, because I, yeah, I think I think having been through several European capitals where you see certain dress codes and you're like Eek. yes, but then it's just yes. and it's just, it, it's just it takes me as Ian would say it takes me to that place. You yeah, know, mentally I, agree. Takes I mean, me obviously, place, this is yeah. I understand that like there, there's a very different dynamic there is like a you know like a straight yeah. white dude seeing that interaction and. And not, but you have Pioli there, and you have a lot of like the fact that Pioli was there. I think was quite symbolic because I think like he seems like someone who will protect his players at all costs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, if Pioli yeah. turns around and says something to them, they're going to listen as well because he won them the fucking league. So, this is the thing, and this is why he's still there. Actually, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, into beating Sassuolo four two on Saturday. Uh, quickly, let's do the Bundesliga big wins for Bayern on Saturday. Yes, uh, yes. they beat Schalke six nil. Big win for Union Big against Freiburg for 4-2. Huge, huge. Massive Can I say win. two things to shout out here? Sherado Becker's performance, outstanding. I think two goals and an assist. And also, Grifo's Penenka 
which was perfect. Oh. Grifo scores a Penenka that is so slow that the keeper dives and has time to get back up and get a thumb to it before Still it goes in. And actually, that makes it that makes it even more perfect, actually. <laughs> it does. So, yeah, um, it does. huge, huge win for Union on their way towards um, Champions League football. Well, that means they've opened up a three-point gap on Freiburg in fifth. And there's, what, two games left in the Bundesliga. Champions League qualification is in Union's own hands. Union Berlin in the Champions League. In the Champions League. Just, wow. I hate to say it, that I mean, is, it looks that's at, almost uh, like, go on. That's almost like a Stonewall coach of the year. I don't like to normally throw that out oh. there, but for them to secure Champions League, Union, yeah, as a I mean, coaching, achievement, year, as a coaching like, achievement. Yeah, as a coaching achievement. Urs Fischer almost kind of feels like he wins, he should win coach of the year every year. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, what um, he's been doing over there. I mean, with 20 minutes to go in the Leipzig Werder Bremen game, it looked like that both Freiburg and Udion would, would, might have a big, big chance of, of uh, going through to the Champions League. But then. Um, and Kunku went to Leip- warp drive. Yeah, and Kunku is looking. And Kunku is looking spectacular. Mm. My goodness. Yeah, so Chelsea fans yeah. should be happy. What another player to be watching uh, in terms in the summer is is Randall Kalimwani. Got to shout him out very quickly. Amazing. I'm trapped with a great win over Mites, who mm. not an easy side to turn over, beat them 3-0 at home, and he was that guy. He's incredible. Honestly, like, yeah, he is. He's every, every week almost. Just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, could I shout out Dortmund though, because Dortmund were 4-0 up uh, after 32 minutes against Gladbach on the weekend. Game in the, the business. In, yeah, which is not an easy derby. game for them. No, not at all. It's always a very heated game. Um, yeah. They they were unbelievable. And the second half obviously took on a little bit of a of a different dynamic because Dortmund mm-hmm. were cruising. Took the foot off the pedal a little bit. Couple of late goals for Gladbach and then, you know, looked like it might be getting a little bit nervy for for Dortmund. But then um, Gio Reyna scored on the 90th, in the 90th minute to, to They're gonna get, just get- open that gap again. Dortmund will get a bit of a stick for the draw against Bochum, but in context, Bochum are still fighting for something, right? It yeah. was at home. They got the draw. Dortmund could have got that penalty. And since the Bochum draw, they've been brilliant the last two games. They've been brilliant. And this is the thing, really. And this is maybe a theme we'll get into with the title race in the Premier League. Sometimes, actually, it's not about bottling it. It's about the team you're up against having extraordinary resources and giving you less margin for error than you get in almost any other league. Mm. And I think, I think Dortmund maybe have been a slight victim of that because. Like I say, they they've been brilliant these last couple of games. Yeah, I mean, also they're just their first their form the first half of the season. Just I mean, if they, that's what they put together. Just a little bit of run of a run of form in the first half of the season, they'd be clear this league. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in France, the top three all won in Ligue 1, and Lyon defeated PSG in the Coupe de France Feminine. Uh, two goals, Raider Hagerberg were enough to seal it for Lyon. And um, Jean-Michel Olas was there to lift the trophy as he um, announced he's leaving Lyon. Uh, so that was a nice touch from Wendy Renard, gave him the trophy. Uh, so Lyon on course for the double. Um, just very, very quickly, uh, just a quick shout out to John Bostock for missing the Penenka in the playoff final for Notts County. Because Notts County went through and it didn't matter in the end. But I absolutely respect... John Bostock <laughs> going for a Penenka to clinch promotion back into the Football League. And Incredible. the commentators on BT Sport were losing their fucking <laughs> minds <laughs> about this. What game's gone? Game's gone. Commentator was literally screaming. I wrote a tweet saying, What was he thinking? And all I was like, <laughs> We all knew what this was. 
We knew like, what this was. We knew, we knew. what this was. And uh, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Ken Murray, who re- uh, <laughs> replied to me saying, crazy that any time I see a Penenka at any level in any country, I think of you, which is one of the biggest compliments That's anyone lovely. has ever given us on Stadio. Can I say also, shout out to John Bostock, because you think of the journey John Bostock's been, in, been on when he started yeah. out at Spurs and was highly tipped and didn't really get didn't get the launch pad for his talent and he's been on a journey himself. So for him to return, it's kind of a beautiful story, actually. I mean, came and through a means, palace, didn't he? Yeah, and it, it kind of means more, almost, him doing it this way, to go on that journey and return with Notts County, like this great, you know, one of history's great clubs, to bring them back up, especially after running Wrexham so close in the league. It feels fitting they're back up in the league now, to be honest. Um, yeah, totally. So, yeah. They deserve to be back in the football league. I'd really like Wrexham and then like Notts County to do some kind of like, just like a co-promotion just for like their new season. It'd be really nice. Just like a, like a one-off like short film or something coming yeah, up together. Nice. Anyway, yeah. And shall we wrap our little roundup on the Women's FA Cup final? Because yes, like we yes, mentioned, yes. Flo and the gang will be covering that on Counterpressed. But um, Chelsea winning another yes. FA Cup for Emma Hayes. Um, they beat Manchester United 1-0 thanks to a Sam Kerr goal. But, oh... Leah Leah Galton Galton with a spiritually onside goal, I think, after 22 seconds. And the reason it was spiritually onside was because it was Ella Toon given offside in the build-up. Toon was given offside. And that goal changes everything because... 22 seconds the ball was in the back. Mm, How do I say this? That was the most confident finish that any Manchester United player offered in in and around the six-yard box Mm. the whole game. It was almost like that was the last time in the game, Manchester United weren't thinking about the enormity of it. Because if you think about some of the goalmouth scrambles that they had, the contact on some of these finishes wasn't as firm as it could have been. And it felt like there was almost, not, not consciously being tentative, but the way they began that game, the aggression of just like the disrespect they just tore into Chelsea. And I think once they allowed them to settle, Chelsea got that level of assurance where, we've mentioned this before, it felt like We've seen this in major finals before where teams come out, fly out, and they start, the other team starts winning the arm wrestle. The comparison I always draw is the, um, the, the Borussia Dortmund, the men's final, the 2013 Champions League with Bayern, where even though Goetz is missing and even though Bayern had a kind of a lead, you felt like Dortmund were in the ascendancy and then Bayern's experience just pulled them back. And I felt like in this game, <clears throat> Chelsea's, experience pulled Manchester United back and then the substitution that Hayes made harder bringing Penilla harder take on Melanie loopholes when you have that level of it was the intent right mm. I saw that substitution I thought, I thought that's I thought real harder played really well actually when she came on I thought she did and, and we were asking actually we were talking in the chat um, Flo and I about why why she might not have started and I was thinking you know maybe it's and Flo made a great point about actually the intensity comes from <clears throat> tiredness, some of the injuries, but being able to bring in Penilla Harder as a closer. Mm. And she was so decisive. We've seen her for Wolfsburg so many years and also in the first part of her Chelsea career. And then Sam Kerr with the winner. Like what, that's, mm. is that 10 and 7? 10 and 7 finals for Do Chelsea? Do you know what really annoyed me about this though? What's that? I'm going to, I wish you'd use their left foot and I don't know why. Just aesthetically, the ball running across you know, Sam Kerr using the outside of her right foot to go in. I was just like, oh. Somebody said this. Someone said the commentary, they were like, oh, they were like, oh, well, that's um, the confidence. I said, no, that's, um, that's pragmatism. 
I know that's me being like, I'm, I'm picking apart like one of the world's great strikers, but I'm just like, I was just like, ah, oh, left foot sound. Do you, know, do, you know what, so do you know I loved it? Do you know I loved it? Leaving nothing to chance. Yeah, I appreciate Leaving nothing that, to chance. Sure. It's like yeah. when I was watching Pacific Rim and they were trying, the robots fighting like- <laughs> Really? The, the hero the hero is fighting really? a big Godzilla creature and they think it's dead, but they, they empty the clip just to make sure. I'm like, that's it. She's emptying the clip. I saw that finish and thought, that is a striker who is not risking anything. Because look, as good as Penilla Harder was when she came on, there were a couple of moments before the assist where I'm like, looked a little bit rusty. Mm. And this game was dragging on. I just kind of felt it was like Sam Kerr and it was brilliant. I think there's a thing, Sam Kerr just seeing the weaknesses and the gaps, this is not going to extra time. Like this is not going to extra time because that's the kind of game with the heat, with the closeness of it. No, let's get this thing done. And you, you can almost see the relief at full time, actually. Mm. Sam Kerr is like, this is, we are not playing an extra 30. So that finish, when I saw that finish, I thought, I know what that was. You're not risking anything. No extravagance, no kind of like, <laughs> you're not waltzing this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, three in a row for Chelsea now. And uh, they love that tournament. They love that tournament. And a record crowd at Wembley, 77,390, which mm, is amazing. absolutely amazing. Um, that's the highest number for a women's FA Cup final. And, you know, we, you were at the year before I was at last year. Yes. And there was still, it seems to be going, it was going up each time, 40,000, well, 41,000 basically the year you were there, 49 last, last year and then 77 this year. That is incredible growth. Love it. Love it. And we just love to see it. Uh, congratulations yep. to Chelsea. Congratulations to Emma Hayes. Don't forget, go and check Counterpressed for more chat about the women's FA also, Cup. Also, isn't it amazing how huge crowds are just normal now? Yeah. Totally normal. Fucking damn yeah, right. At these. Listen. Yeah, love it. They were back in the day before they banned it. Exactly. <laughs> I was teaching, actually, just before we go to the next stage, I was teaching at a school um, over in Whitney in Oxfordshire. Shout out to Wood Green. And I mentioned that and it blew people's minds. Yeah. They blew their minds. Like this, you know, this crowd, like this audience of like 200, like, you know, school children. I was like, oh, do you realize this game was actually banned? And they were like, uh, couldn't believe it. So yeah, always worth winning it out. Anyway. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do some Premier League. Let's do it. All right, man, let's go to the Premier League. Let's do it. Yes. Brentford with a great, great 2-0 win over West Ham. Kind of felt a little bit routine. West, West Ham kind of resting a few players ahead of their second leg of the Conference League semi-final against Alkmaar this week. A great tool draw between Leeds and Newcastle on Saturday in the early game. Uh, penalties galore. Bamford missed one for Leeds. Wilson got two for Newcastle. Uh, Junior Firpo went on a bit of a journey, got the penalty for Leeds, gave away one of the penalties for Leeds with a handball. Uh, I loved Ian, <laughs> Ian talking about it, just being like, why is your hand? You just got to ask yourself, man, if your hand's up that high, why is your hand up that high? <laughs> uh, he also, though, yeah, he got a booking for a, a tackle that was really bad. I mean, it was quite late that he got sent off anyway. It was in stoppage time at the end of the game, but how Allardyce didn't take him off, I have no idea. Mm. Really good point for Leeds, actually. Awful, awful thing of like, good point, but not enough. It's one of those weird things of mm, like, I know what you mean. a really good point, but not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if you're looking at the, if you're looking at what you need to achieve from each game, I think a point for that would have been Oh my God, point against Newcastle and this, yeah, this Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. As we mentioned, Leeds have said they're going to ban this person who decided to, he just wanted to have a chat with Eddie Howe about something. 
The fact um, you're allowed to get that close, because again, you don't know why the they're thing, even this in is your the face. Thing so dangerous, and the fact that like no one clocked it, not even anyone yeah. on the benches, which yeah. it isn't their job to do that anyway, until he was next to Eddie Howe. Well, it's the same with the Esp- the, the thing with the Espanol game, right? Espanol, just go back to that quickly. So that's a team they're being they're in the they're in the process of like going down against the hated rivals who've just won the league, who are dancing in the centre circle, and you don't know anything about the headspace of yeah. a fan. You know, because to break the taboo of running onto the field, to break that taboo already, you're in a headspace where you're capable of something, you know, unpredictable at the very best. Yeah. And at you're worst, God knows. charged, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then like, so the, the, the thing, the, the Eddie Howe thing, when I saw that, I was kind of like, just approaching over his shoulder like that. I was, this is- So um, weird. So bad. Dude, it's really dangerous because we've it's talked really all dangerous. about, we've been talking, you know, the last few months on Stadio about people just being a bit extra. Like in, you know, at, at games, and we're not saying it's necessarily taking a jump since the lockdown ended. It's not that. It's just more like the accessibility of, uh, how do I say this? That sound like an old fogey. There's always that fear that when things boil over online, like, mm. and, and, and people become almost like memes, coaches and players become almost memes instead of people. And it's easy to like fire shots and insults to people to a certain level. Like, I just worry that spills over every now and again in unpredictable ways. And when I saw that, I just thought it was shocking, but it wasn't surprising, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. See, I hope they get a handle on that. That's um, yeah, it's obviously quite grim. Yeah, yeah. Villa beating Spurs 2-1 uh, and were thoroughly deserving of it. Spurs finishing were, was a little bit wild though, but um, there were a couple of offside, like poorly timed runs as well. That they had the ball in the back of the net a couple of times for offside. Great goal from Jacob Ramsey and a lovely free kick from Douglas Luis was enough for Villa. Harry Kane with a penalty in stoppage time at the end of the game or in the 90th minute. What's really wild about Villa is that they are level on points with Spurs now. Love it. We can talk about them now, can't we? Back to yeah. winning ways after back-to-back defeats. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, I think one for the, re- for the end of the season because Emery is in a shout for being coach of the year in the Premier League. I think. Definitely. I think definitely. No question. Uh, Chelsea drawing two all with Forrest. Two for Ryan Sterling. Two for Tyro Awani. Forrest were 1-0 up. 2-1 up. No, sorry, 1-0 up, 2-1 down. And then uh, managed to salvage a draw out of that and another good point for them as they look, what, they're three points ahead of the relegation zone. Obviously, Everton losing to City. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Palace, tidy win over Bournemouth. Two great goals for Roy. Izzy. Roy's. Yeah. Roy's. The Roy the Roy like, the the <laughs> Yeah, they're just, they're just casually chilling in, in 12th. Um, do you want to talk about your beloved Manchester United being... Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2-0 the second goal that looked like it would never arrive but it did eventually I, I, I haven't got much to say about it sadly <laughs> <laughs> love Next, that please. love that for you Musa <laughs> uh, I mean they were pretty good Man United good goal for Martial good goal for Garnacho at the end I loved uh, Vakehorse was like calling for it's it great, and looked look, actually, really pissed off when it's great the Garnacho for it. great the Garnacho is back and great him to score so soon um Look, that's an extraordinary player. And I think United are a squad in transition. It gets talked about a lot, but he really is the kind of, he's the kind of talent you can build a squad around. It's quite, it's quite poignant having him and Martial scoring in the same game because what Martial, in my opinion, should and could have become with consistent coaching. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's on the player too, but I think Martial suffered more than most from all the, the changeover. He's all like a Ferran Torres mm-hmm. to me, actually, Martial. Ferran Torres was developing really nicely under Pep and now looks kind of all at sea under 
Xavi. And I think Martial's kind of similar. I think he needs one sort of consistent coach, bring the best from him. So I hope, I hope Ganacho goes on and fulfills his potential because at the moment his ceiling isn't really in sight. Mm. Um, and it's funny because he was brought, obviously he was brought under very different circumstances, brought along under very different circumstances from Anthony, but I think that, I think he has a higher ceiling actually. Shouts to Wolves though, because I think that the job that Lopetegui has done at Wolves yeah. is amazing. Wolves have to spend a bit of money in the, uh, in the summer. Yeah. That's for sure. And they, they need goals, man. Yeah. I mean, it's the perennial, isn't it? Yes. Um, final game of Saturday was uh, Southampton's defeat to Fulham 2-0 at home, which sent Southampton down. 11 years in the Premier League they've been. And um, yeah, this has been on the cards for a while. <laughs> I wrote a tweet uh, saying that this season has been so long that H- Ralph Hasenhuttle will still have taken charge of more than a third of Southampton's league games this season by the oh, time the season's goodness. done. I think a lot needs to change at Southampton. A lot has changed. I think a lot needs to change going into next season. There are obviously going to be huge departures. I imagine James Ward-Prowse is probably going to leave. Um, and I think for Southampton, we'll talk about Arsenal in a little bit, but I think for Southampton, it's kind of, they could have done with a little more Arsenal in terms of not making so many changes this season mm. and just establishing a core group of players that we're going to, that you could essentially rely on and build through the season. It was yeah. quite erratic, especially because I think, but I think a lot of that is down to the fact that you had three managers this season there. Yeah. Um, and also just the signings they made, right? Uh, Ian and Sean, which was great, by the way. Ian and Sean were on Match of the Day together, which was lovely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ian and Sean were talking about the signings that they made this season. And while they are, you know, Brighton are an amazing example of what how you don't need to have Premier League experience to sign really amazing players or, or sign players who haven't had Premier League experience. But I think there's a balance to be had there. And so many of, of Southampton's key signings this season were really young without any Premier League experience. And I think that when you're in a relegation scrap, you need to have a spine. Too many moving parts. A, there's too exactly. many moving parts. This is it. Too much potential and not enough experience there. And I think that that's something that really costs them in the end. You know, I think because we've seen this season, or we've talked about this a new, like, number of times, the strength and depth in the Premier League and the amount of players that you can actually bring in from other clubs who have got experience, who can really, really help in a relegation scrap. I, I, to be honest, I don't, I'm not entirely sure that before the season, uh, I, I can't remember many people tipping Southampton to go down. No, no. Um, I mean, maybe they went under the radar to an extent. Maybe. But- but we've but also, we've, we also we, we, we also we also rate Hasenhuttle quite highly, so I think that we've, we've said we this assumed. before. We've said this about the squad that Southampton had, and we've said this for a long time. I think if you look at the squad that Hasenhuttle was working with, and this is not a disrespect thing, it was more like in terms of the squad and the depth, it was remarkable what I think he was yeah. achieving at a certain point with them. To be honest, mm. yeah, commiserations to Southampton, first team to be relegated from the Premier League this season. Um, mm. And I know we've we've kind of left this till last, but I mean, considering uh, the how title big race, the pictures were, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and the reason we did that was because obviously you, like I mentioned, we mentioned at the top, you and Ian did write his house, so that's going to take the bulk of it. And we wanted to shout out mm. some other stuff, but um, Manchester City beating Everton three 0 at Everton, right. cruised it. They were really, really good. Manchester City, they weathered the There's storm for Everton. Those, those like two first half minutes, that period, yeah. they really look they they. 
Everton actually to their credit, Everton were pretty good. I thought they were. The they were. Half. They they were. They were. And the goal by Gundogan, like Gundogan, look, there's a oh, that first goal from Gundogan is amazing. Gundogan amazing. was so good that I actually went and had a look at his like career history at, at City in particular, and then like you know I went over to kind of the sort of the contracts. And I thought, okay, this man is like certainly appreciated within City, but I'm not sure. Beyond, I think I think Gundogan is so good that it, it's taken for granted. Gundogan is like extraordinary. Like this is someone who his performances. He doesn't really care about stats. Like whether he's scoring mm. as he plays as a nine, he'll play as a six, he'll do whatever Pep asks. So some seasons he'll score three or four, five. Other seasons he'll score as twenty because that's what Pep wants. Like he's literally a player. Pep can go into like okay, this season you're not scoring more than three goals a game, or three goals, <laughs> three goals a, a season because you're playing here. All right, boss. Mm-hmm. Next season, oh, you're playing as a false nine because you've got no striker. All right, boss. And he does it. And I actually think for what he does, he's underpaid. Like for what he does, he's underpaid. Like there's not enough clamor about him. He's not talked about enough. He is absolutely extraordinary. There's a thing, there's something so inevitable about when Gundogan takes control in the late stages of a title race for City. And he's done it again. Like this goal he scores against Everton, there's nothing (laughs) on when he receives it. There's nothing on when he receives it. And a split second later, Pickford has no chance. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Un- the, the, Gundogan's opening goal is out of this world. Yeah. Then he puts in, he puts yeah. in, yeah, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. Then he puts in Holland. what, less than two minutes later? Incredible. And done. Yeah. And then he puts the free kick in. Oh, like, like it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, we Gundogan, couldn't go hypercritical yeah. on Jordan Pickford and, uh, and basically say that I think it's for the second and third goals, I think he could have done a lot better. I think if you're if you're if you're looking at that as an England number one, you would be a little bit like, mm, do you know? I think sure happened. Se- well, this is the thing for the for the Holland header. I was watching and thinking, you were expecting a better quality of header. Actually, mm. you were expecting it more downwards and more whatever, but it came straight at you, and it's almost like you blinked. If that makes sense, but you're expecting, yeah, you're expecting it down and across, which is where I think Holland. Maybe should have put it, not to be overly critical. Uh, yeah, but the free kick again was excellent. Placement was so great. Good. Yeah. So City looked very, very assured in that game. That put the pressure on Arsenal and uh, the pressure got to them as, and Brighton put three past them. It got to them eventually because in the first half, in the first half, they looked really quite good. With the Trossard chance in particular, clipping the bar, it could be 1-0 Arsenal, then it's all different. But the moment they take the lead, the moment Brighton did the lead, and we, we said this before, like Brighton, they had 80% possession against Everton in the 5-1 defeat. So they weren't, they weren't clowns in terms of ball possession. Came to the Emirates and almost 60% possession. So you know, the Brighton, ball dominant, and they just play their game. The thing with Brighton, of course, you give them too good a look, they'll eventually undo you. And, and look, Benjamin White's been brilliant all year. I think it's the first time I've seen him that concerned with an opponent. I thought that Matoma, and that's credit to Matoma, who was, was outstanding. Um, mm. It was brilliant. So yeah, ev- eventually, I mean, Brighton, the thing with Brighton is you can't give them too good a look. And Arsenal gave them a look in that first half. I mean, those chances, early second half, Brighton take the lead and they just, w- w- once you go a goal down against Brighton with that, the way they play that possession football and that, the counter-attacking and, and drawing you in, once they've got you chasing, they're very, very difficult to catch. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit of a cliche, but I think it was definitely a game of two halves. I I didn't watch the game live at the moment. I watched it back afterwards. And after seeing some of the fallout from it, I was was expecting more of a battering, actually. It wasn't though, was it? It wasn't. No, it wasn't at all. And I think that it's, I understand that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of, um, there's a lot wrapped up in these fixtures towards the end of the season. I think I, speaking from a, from a personal point of view, I'd kind of made my peace with Arsenal losing like not winning the title anyway. When I was talking to people about it, I was casually joking about like, oh, I think, I think City will drop points. And I still actually think they might drop points, but I don't think it'll be enough for Arsenal to win the title. It was the West Ham game for me. The West Ham game was the one yeah. I thought, yeah. Uh, Opta wrote a, th- a tweet saying, three of Arsenal's last four home defeats in all competitions. Just think about that. Three of Arsenal's last four home defeats in all competitions have mm. been against Brighton. I just think I just think the margins that Arsenal have had, the well, margins the they've thing. had so to I think, play with. Yeah, the wiggle room for Arsenal has been way more narrow, and Arsenal broke out to an an amazing start of the season. I think the World Cup timing stopped some momentum that was they were really flying, and they haven't moving, been the moving. same side since the World Cup. Actually, losing key injuries at key times, they have quite a lot of depth in terms of numbers but they don't have the depth and quality that Manchester City have so for example Manchester City can bring in what who is it they make five changes this week look they didn't bring off the bench here's the thing they've won they've won they've won four of the last five league titles five this will be five of the last six they're experienced they're coached um, exceptionally well by Pep Guardiola they have one of the all-time great coaches Pep making adjustments every single season. He wins last season with basically a false nine. This year wins with a conventional nine. Slight change in the formation and that's worked beautifully for them. You know, they're coaching against an outstanding, a team with exceptional resources, an outstanding coach and outstanding playing staff. Yeah. So that margin for error is so small. But over the whole of the season, Manchester City have been the best side in the Premier League. Yes. And they're going to win the league. And it happens. It happens. So yeah, I think... Just on, um, just to recap on that, Brighton, just to give them a nod, they're outstanding. And I think, again, supporters or fans of the clubs who are going at Arsenal after this defeat, not there should be that many because Brighton has shown how good they are. Mm. In, the term, in, in terms of the stage of the development of like Deserby's Brighton, we'll look back at the result as something to expect from this collection of players. Mm. This extraordinary Brighton team whose ceiling is not yet entirely apparent. And it'll be interesting now to see who they recruit in the summer because they'll probably lose some players. But now every, the the agent of every brilliant player around the world, old or young, who never got a full crack at the platform they deserved, right? Which is Mm. 95% of footballers is going to be approaching Brighton. This is what's so exciting about what they've built there. They're now... The, the machine, once they keep the structure there, it can just carry on going. There's, there's no reason why this club needs to fall out of the top 10 in the Premier League for the next few years. There's no reason at all. And that's conservatively speaking. And that is, if you think about that, that is a wild, it's wild thing incredible. to say. Incredible. It's almost like as incredible they are as what Union incredible. It's almost as incredible. Yeah. yeah. Genuinely. And uh, Roberto De Zerbi is in a shout for one of the coaches of the year as well because he's come oh in. Oh, my goodness. And Listen, we said it, man. Brighton, it's going to be Brighton acid. acid. And my God, what a trip. Like, they are incredible. They are incredible. They, in this game specifically, I actually thought Arsenal dealt with them pretty well on the whole. 
Um, I think the scoreline kind of flattered Brighton a little bit. Yes. In terms of overall balance of play, they were just way more clinical with the chances they got. And and to be honest, the la- the second and the third, they looked like, that looked like end of the season, goals that you concede with a squad that has been that's not a part that Trossard is playing when he first no, arrives. Yeah, not that's not yet, and, and that, it looks like a side who is kind of knackered, hasn't yes. been able to rotate for a while. Everyone's a little bit like exhausted, and they just can't get it over the line. And Brian Brighton are the worst team that you want to play in that scenario because they will just wait for the mistake. Well, do you know why they're the worst as well? Do you know why they're worse? Because do you know why they're the worst? Because it feels like they turn up with a new genius every couple of weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, Casado's been playing oh, right back now. Can you imagine a scouting report at Brighton is like, is the question mark emoji? Really? Like, because Enciso, where the hell? Enciso just popping up. Ferguson's been brilliant. And these are players who are not really on the international radar. You know, not unless you're in like the elite scouting networks. And they come out of nowhere and they're brilliant. Dude, they're liquid. Yeah, it's true. They're an AI. They're an AI. <laughs> The thing that I find interesting is the differing reactions to something like this. Mm. And I think it raises a really interesting conversation about modern fandom. I know you guys talked about it on Writer's House, so I would recommend people going and listening to that and I won't go into it too much here because I think since since Stadio started, I think a lot of people have probably heard my big picture Arsenal bullshit. And there obviously mm. comes a time when you have to stop thinking about progress and the bigger picture and actually start winning stuff. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people might disagree with me and that's fine. I don't think that Arsenal are at that point yet. This is a club that's been without Champions League football for six seasons and it's going to finish second. It secured second with multiple games to go of the season. I know that goals change throughout the season. Have Arsenal fallen short of their ultimate goal because the goal before the season started was to finish in the Champions League spots. It was to secure Champions League football. That was the ultimate priority because six years out of the Champions League for a club like Arsenal makes it extremely difficult to compete. Six years. It's a long time, man. It's a desert. It's a wilderness. Yeah. And the fact that if, if, you, if you step back from it all and I know that everything changes through the season, people are right to point that out. You know, when you, when you progress, you know, for example, if you progress in a competition, you want to win it, right? But I think that if Arsenal don't lose key injuries to someone like William Saliba and Takehiro Tomiyasu, that might be four points. I said this to a friend, but Saliba gets you maybe one of those wins. Yeah. The majority of people didn't, I would say probably from, from, what, I, from what I observed in terms of predictions at the beginning of the season, the majority of people didn't even believe Arsenal would finish in the Champions League spots. No. I wrote a tweet last season after Arsenal failed to qualify for the Champions League saying disappointment is not failure. And I'd say that again. I've said that numerous times this, uh, through this little run. Am I disappointed that Arsenal didn't win the league? Of course I am. Do I see it as a bottle job or a failure? Absolutely not. I see it as right. progress. And I know that Manchester City fans will be rolling their eyes at this because, yeah, despite all their resources, any other manager with that squad you probably have more drop points. Pep is a, one of the greatest managers of all time. I don't think the fair-minded fans would roll their eyes because I think Man City fans do acknowledge on the whole that Pep is just yeah. extraordinary. He's a genius. Yeah, he's, he's a genius. And Not many managers figure out that tactical switch that Pep made midway through the season that turbocharged the side 
and eliminated all of the issues that they were having in the early stages of the season. Almost no one else thinks of it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that decision ultimately yeah. is going to be the thing that wins City the league because it kicked them into a fluidity that they were really struggling to find early on in the season. Also, also, also Pep provoking the reaction from his players. Yeah. That was huge as well. Let's just mention that too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been so much to celebrate in terms of the progress that this team has made this season and some of the best football that I've seen an Arsenal team play for as long as I can remember. The atmosphere around the ground has been transformed. It's a place that now you really want to go to, whereas before it was kind of, people used to take the piss out of it. Um, it's back in the Champions League. Arsenal is a destination again. Arsenal wasn't a destination, I don't think. Right. I, I think it dropped out to that point. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just looking, I'm looking at Arsenal now and I'm looking at some of the other leagues in Europe and thinking, not only, I think that player would be amazing for them, but it's now plausible that player would enter into the conversation. That is the change and that's huge because Arsenal basically in the course of one season stopped being a banter club. People can send jokes, whatever, but it's half-hearted now. Arsenal now, a serious proposition um, as a possible destination for a player. And that in itself is a big change. I know that we said goals changed throughout the season, but if someone had told me before the first game of the season that Arsenal would have lost the title mid-May, I'd been like, what year are we talking about here? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, yeah, fair. Very fair. Listen, if perfection is the only thing that we can celebrate, then we're then what the hell? Like, let's give up and go home. Exactly. Exactly. On that note, let's get up and go home. Yes, uh, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Go and check Wright's house for more detailed reaction to Arsenal, Brighton, and um, the, the the title race as a whole. Go check Counter Press for the Women's FA Cup final chat. Go check theRinger.com. Check the Stadio Archers players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a butte from the Bureau B label, a Heiko Myler track called Film Dry. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further. I'm good. Look, I'm locked and loaded, recharged. <laughs> so I'm good. No, no, nothing to add. I'm good. All right, everyone. Much love. Have a great week. We will be back with you on Wednesday for Champions League stuff. Oh, or yes. maybe Tuesday night. Che- maybe let's Tuesday night, how- depending on. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Maybe Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday morning. Let's keep you guessing. Exactly. All right, everyone. <laughs> much love. See you then. <laughs>